God. You want to say a word about our upcoming business meeting this Wednesday evening? Got number 11 here, Mike. He's got me on yellow again, Mike. I don't know what that means, but... Wednesday night, 7 o'clock sharp, we have a full agenda for our annual business meeting. We'll be going through the regular stuff that we normally go through, and we're also going to be having discussions. Now, we have a lot of pictures and stuff up. What we're going to be discussing about Wednesday night is the church layout. So when you take a look at the layout plans, the church layout is what we're going to be focusing on, and our site plan is what we're going to be focusing on. So those are going to be the primary things. The renderings that we got up have color and a lot of other things that's attached. We still have other committees that we will have discussion further on on how all that is. So the business meeting, what we're primarily going to be looking at is, does the building plan meet the needs that the assessment had brought before us, and does our site plan make it functional? So that's what we're going to be focusing on. I know there's been a, a lot of uh, feedback so far, and most of it has been on the aesthetics and stuff like that, I guarantee you that's still fluid right now. But what we're trying to do is tie down exactly what we're going to do with the building and go from there. Also, we'll be talking about the uh, Burgerden property right next door. I don't know if you mentioned, since I wasn't here last week, what had happened with that. I'll give you guys a heads up. We got pushed out another month because in all of the legal notices, they had the wrong address. They had the address of 118 West Idaho, which happens to be this building, and the subject property is actually 112. So the challenge that that has created is we meet planning and zoning on the 27th, I believe it's the 27th, of December. They are either going to give a favorable or not, and then it will go before the city council in January. The challenge with that is in our agreement with the uh, uh, owners of the property next door, the closing date was to be no later than the 30th of December. So we're gonna have a discussion about that on Wednesday night. So everybody's invited to come. Uh, it will be a, a general business meeting. So whenever votes are taken, it'll be those who have voting membership. And, uh, but we want everybody, we want it to be totally open and uh, transparent as much as we can for uh, all of you guys to know where we're at. So full night that night. Appreciate it. Thank you, Rod. So just to uh, uh, reiterate, reemphasize what he uh, said there, these renderings, the colors, all that, we won't be necessarily discussing that or voting on that. We'll be voting on the white sheets out there that show the floor plan, basic floor plan and the basic plat and, and the plot plan. So uh, along with our budget, along with the nominating, and along with a couple of other items of business. Seven o'clock Wednesday night. Appreciate you being there. This uh, week in Advent remembers the role of the angels, as you've already seen in the Christmas story. And as we have heard, and as we have sang, focuses on the topic of love. The title of the message today is Love is in the Air or Not. Christmas is a very romantic time of the year. The Hallmark Channel shows uh, show after show devoted to what they call the spirit of Christmas, which pretty much is identified as a spirit of love, especially romantic love between couples. 
The most common period of time of the year for couples to get engaged is between Thanksgiving and Valentine's Day, with 40% of all engagements taking place during that time. Nearly 20% of all engagements take place in December, with December 25th being the number one day to officially get engaged. December 24th next, and December 22nd behind that. My wife and I were actually engaged on December 24th, 1975. My father-in-law always resented the fact that I never asked him for Kay's hand in marriage. That wasn't something I was leaving up to anybody but Kay and I. I actually bought her a Black Hills gold ring for that Christmas and gave it to her on Christmas Eve. And her family asked her, is this an engagement ring? She asked me if it was an engagement ring. And seizing on the opportunity, I said yes. Before my son-in-law, before Tim and Megan were married, Tim asked Cliff, my father-in-law, should I ask Phil for permission to marry his daughter? And Cliff said, heck no. He never asked me. As I said, it was too important of a decision to leave in anyone else's hands. So it, it wasn't just me, though. Apparently, love is in the air. The only problem with that type of love is that it paints such an incomplete picture of love. Love is so much more than falling in love, buying a ring, getting engaged, and getting married. The angel today in our film clip spoke of love. And today in our remaining time, we're going to delve into the subject of love, especially as it relates to the Christmas story and this time of year. And I want to start with a very familiar passage, one that we actually sang about earlier today, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The son of God got up from his throne in heaven, stepped out of heaven, took on humanity and all of the humiliation and, and humility that goes with that and came and lived with us and became like us. That is love. That is what is called agape love, which is the Greek word for the unconditional love, an unconditional love that Jesus demonstrated for the world. Hallelujah. Can we get a hallelujah or a praise the Lord for that kind of... Thank you, thank you. Glory to God in the highest. That's what all that stuff is about. God coming to us to show us the way to show us how to live, but first and foremost to eventually die on the cross so that we might be saved. Do not take the cross out of Christmas. The cross is the greatest gift of love, represents the greatest gift of love, the greatest act of love. It is like God's engagement ring to mankind. God says, here, I give it to you. I give my son to you. Will you take it? Will you take him? Will you be my bride? The only difference is, and it's a huge difference, 
His love doesn't change. It doesn't weaken. It doesn't fade. It is intense. It is constant. It is unconditional. As the angel said, as he presented to the shepherds, as we shared last week, this is good news of great joy. A Savior is born to you. Jesus' disciple Peter wrote, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Loving deeply, loving as God loves, we're going to look at the greatest definition of love that was ever written. So we, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to look at a few characteristics of love out of this chapter. After the Advent season, when we get back into our study of Corinthians, we'll finish maybe the other ten characteristics, but I'm going to share five with you today. Five characteristics of love. And my goal, our goal today is that we would be more loving. We would show and share these characteristics more regularly in a very practical way. So what does love look like? It is more, or is it more than a Hallmark channel? Is it more than the romantic feeling? God showed his love by sending his son to die on the cross. So especially in this season and all year, how do we show love? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So first of all, Paul writes, verse 4, love is patient. Ouch. What a way to start. How many of us wish we had more patience even already this morning with our children or our spouse or our child or whoever crossed us? William Barclay writes, the Greek word macrothumine that is used in the New Testament to describe patience always describes patience with people and not patience with circumstances. Chrysostom said that it is the word used of the man who is wronged and who has it easily in his power to avenge himself and who yet did not do it. It describes a man who is slow to anger and it is used of God himself in his relationship with men. In our dealings with men, however refractory and however unkind and hurting they are, we must exercise the same patience as God exercises with us. Such patience is not the sign of weakness. It is not defeatism. Rather, it is the only way to victory. I was called upon to take my granddaughter to McDonald's Thursday after school. There were a number of problems with that. First of all, Grandpa's phone only has old people stuff on it. 
nothing for kids. At some point in time, I thought I was going to have to stop the car and spank Elsie. I decided not very far out of town to abort the mission, and I turned around to go home, and I heard her talking to herself in the back seat saying, I wish this would have turned out better. Me too, Elsie. <laughs> so when I heard that, we pulled over, we called Grammy, got a quick lesson on little girls and electronics, turned around and muddled through somehow. Now, I don't love anyone more than I love Elsie. But looking back, I wish I would have had more patience. Me and electronics and humans, that is a bad combination. Love is patient with people, with all people, just like God is patient with us. Number two, love is kind. Love is kind. Church Father Origen, writing about 1900 years ago, said this means that love is sweet to all. And it only gets worse. It's easiest to be sweet to your grandchildren, your granddaughters, and strangers. The rest of us, however, that is tough. Again, William Barclay writes, Philip II of Spain was one of the most religious peoples ever, people ever. And yet he founded the Spanish Inquisition and thought he was serving God by massacring those who thought differently from him. The famous Cardinal Paul declared that murder and adultery could not compare in heinousness with heresy. Apart altogether from that persecuting spirit, there, is, there are so many good people. There, there is so many good people and in, in good people an attitude of criticism. So many good church people would have sided with the rulers and not with Jesus if they had to deal with the woman taken in adultery. Kindness. Who can you show kindness to this season? The other day, Kay and I were shopping at uh, uh, over in Ontario, and she was heading in the store, and I went to grab a cart to go in the store, and I saw a gal coming up. She was on her phone. I gave her that because I was working on trying to be kind. I gave her that cart, and I went back and got another cart. Last night as we were playing cards at, at, the, at the Christmas party. There were a group of us, and it was a long game, and it was, it was getting pretty tough. And I bought the card I wanted, and I drew a joker besides, which was really hitting a home run. And then right as I put that in my hand, uh, Jessica Jones says, oh, I want that. Too late, Jessica. So it went on for a little bit, and I took those two cards out of my hand and put them in Jessica's hand. I said, because I'm preaching on kindness, because I have to face a congregation tomorrow, these are yours. Who can you show an act of kindness to? Who can you go out of your way to be kind to? Perhaps a waiter, a waitress, a server, clerk at Walmart. 
and a Home Depot employee the other night asking us to do an act of kindness for him, going online and, and completing a survey. He said it was very important for him. I didn't want to do it. I haven't done it yet. Lord willing, I will forget, but if I don't, <laughs> I will try to go back and do that. You know, it's easier to show kindness to a perfect stranger sometimes. This is a season for love. Let's show it. Let's show it. Now we're going to skip down to number seven on your outline there. These others we'll come back in a few months and get. And if you want to be working on these characteristics in the meantime, I encourage you to, to go ahead and fill that out. But down to, to number seven, the next characteristic is that love does not demand its own way. Love does not demand its own way. Are you one who demands your privilege always? Or do you always remember your responsibility? There are those who are always thinking of what life owes them and those who never forget what they owe to life. It would be the key to almost all the problems which surround us today if men would think less of their rights and more of their duties. Whenever we start thinking about our place or what's right for me, or I got to do this for me, we're drifting away from Christian love. Demanding our own way is not Christian. It is not Christ-like. It is not Christian love. It is self-love. And it makes us sick, and it makes our culture sick. That's how we start out. That's how a baby starts out demanding their own way, but it is not how we are to remain, not if we are a believer and not if we are going to be loving. Number eight, love never loses its temper. <laughs> a lot of gasping going on at that. Well, okay, maybe it's easier to swallow in the NIV translation is not easily angered. That's a little easier, isn't it? Oh, okay, I can be angry once in a while. But the translation I use says it never loses its temper. Living Bible paraphrase says it is not irritable or touchy. That means when we behave that way, when we lose our temper, when we're irritable or touchy, that means we're not acting out of love at that point, and we're probably sinning. Now keep in mind our problem is there are two natures living within each one of us who were born again. Our old nature which has been crucified yet still hangs on in our flesh. We're born with that. We're born into the world that way. You want to know why the world is like it is? It's because that's how we are born. And unless we're born again, that is how we will basically remain. But as Christians, we are born again. We have a new nature. And we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us to help us. In fact, he insists on it. But unfortunately, our old nature does not want to go along with it. So our old nature is not patient. It does not want to be kind unless there is something in it for us. It demands its own way. It loses its temper. That's what it's like to 
walk in the old nature or in the flesh. And that is some of the fruit that the old nature produces. Over in Galatians chapter 5, we see the contrast between the old nature and the new nature. Galatians 5.16, Paul says, I say live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. So you do not do what you want, but you are led by... But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy. I slowed down on those a little bit because those are with us all the time. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That is the result of the Spirit working within us. Okay, we'll go to one more. Number nine, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not hold grudges is another way of putting it. Or it hardly even notices when others do it wrong. It keeps no record of wrongs. Now the reason I picked these five out is because these five are always rattling around in my head. Uh, the others I have to think about a little more purposely once in a while. They're not necessarily the ones I struggle with as much as these five. I'm bearing my soul to you at that point. Can you list the things your child did wrong this week? Or your friend or your roommate or your spouse? How about last week? How about even a year ago? You ever bring it up and point it out? That is keeping a record of wrongs. God says the way you forgive is the way you will be forgiven. It doesn't mean if you haven't forgiven somebody and you walk out in front of a car and you die that you're going to go to hell. But it means that if you can't get to the point of being forgiven, then you're going to, it's going to be a lot more difficult in this life. If you cannot forgive people, then you're going to have to live with, with more of the consequences of what, you, of what you've done against God. God says the way you forgive is the way you will be forgiven. I live in a glass house, so I try not to throw any more rocks than absolutely necessary. Love forgets quickly. Now, that doesn't mean you allow someone to just walk all over you and pretend they didn't do anything wrong or pretend their behavior is acceptable. Not at all. It doesn't mean you're putting yourself out there to get hurt over and over again. It's, it's right and proper and smart to set acceptable boundaries. But setting acceptable boundaries is not the same as keeping score to use against someone at a future date. I want you right now to do a little exercise and list in your mind. List some things in your mind that someone has done to you. Now imagine yourself erasing that forever. I know that's hard to do. But you know what's harder? 
carrying that grudge, carrying that burden around with you. For Christians, one of the natural outcomes of love is marriage. To have a family, raise a family to share that love with. And with all the engagements at Christmas time, with the result usually being a wedding sometime between May and October. So I thought about this and this season and marriage. I thought of one of the most hillbilly redneck weddings I ever officiated or attended. And it's none of you in this room. The groom's sister didn't like the bride. And so she took it upon herself to find out who the pastor was, called the pastor and said, hey, the wedding's been called off and they wanted me to call and let you know that. And so about an hour after he didn't show up, the pastor didn't show up to do the wedding, I get a call. I'm out in the field doing some work and I get a call. And so I hurry up and clean up and get, into the, get in to do the, the wedding. All I really remember about that wedding is that the food was unbelievable. The food was unbelievable. Whoever was catering, it wasn't somebody catering it, it was a relative doing the cooking, and he had been some kind, of a, some kind of a chef who knew how to deep fat fry everything and make it come out really good. And one of the things that I remember, and I went home, this has been 15 years ago probably, I went home and told my wife about the food, and this week she discovered, she came across the recipe. She remembered me telling her about these, these meatballs that they had prepared. And uh, meatballs that, that had a, a, like a jar, a bottle of a chili sauce in it and, and a jar of, of grape jelly. Somehow I had remembered the recipe and told her, and 15 years later she saw it on, on one of her cook shows. I do not know how that marriage turned out, but I know how that food turned out. You know, God is working, many of us in this room maybe would fall under the category of being hillbillies or rednecks on at least the worst of our days. God is working with that, with us, trying to make us into something very special, turn us into a bride acceptable for him. That's why he sent his son. That's why the father and son sent the spirit. He wants to make something beautiful out of us, and he uses love to do it. And the more love we bring to the table, the better it will turn out for each one of us now and later. In the next couple of weeks and months and even the next year, I ask you to kind of try to be aware of what we've talked about here today. Take that list, put it in your, take it in, put it in your Bible, and keep track. And share maybe privately with, with me if you want about when were you patient? When were you more patient this week than what you normally would be? When did you need to be more patient? What random act of kindness did you show this week? When did you not demand your own way? Are you getting your temper under control? Did you look at that list of wrongs and erase them? That list of wrongs that you've been remembering. 
it's an amazing thing when two people find each other and fall in love. And that's really something that we can't orchestrate. There's something magical and mystical about that. But when it comes to love, when it comes to loving, we can decide and make a decision right now that we are going to be more loving. We're going to try to put these things into practice that we've spoken about today by the power of the Holy Spirit. And see what a difference it makes in our lives and in the world around us. It was love that allowed, that made the world look at the disciples and say, we know that they're a disciple because of how they love one another. And it transformed the world. We can complain about what's going on out there. But are we willing to take some little steps that are within our, that's within our power to bring about some change? Are we willing to do that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your love for me and for us. And Lord, we can look around and see a lot of people that are not deserving of your love. But it's best to probably start right here. Thank you, Father. And Lord, we ask you for the power to make a difference in our lives, in our homes, in our church, and in our community as we put into practice what you, what you started in the very beginning because it's who you are. God is love. And Lord, so help us as your children to be known as individuals that love, as a church that loves through the power of your spirit. Lord, we love you and we thank you in your son's name. Amen.